the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I got recognized yesterday while shopping for some groceries. Always very honored when that happens. Um, I threw that down because I also do radio. I was like, do you TV or radio? And I, I was like, why did I even ask? He recognized me. That was sweet. Anyhow, a couple thoughts. Um, have a strategy. I think it's really, really critical when it comes to investing. If you could answer this question right now, do you have a strategy? Can you explain it? Can you? Or is it, I hear about a stock, I go after it. One of the first, uh, probably my year one of doing this 20 plus years ago is I would have people email me their portfolios. And oftentimes what I found was a mess. And I'm not saying that in a mean way. I hope I'm not. I'm saying it was, I couldn't figure out the strategy. And that's something I always like trying to do is figure out, oh, uh, I will say this. I haven't told the story in a long time, so let's tell it really real quick. In that first year, I also had an office, which is kind of rare um, to think about. And I did office visits where people could come to me and give me their portfolio and sit down and review them. So a woman came in. She was on the older side. Now I was on the younger side. And I think at that point in my career, I was probably a little bit full of myself. I was like, huh. This woman's my mom's age. She's pretty well put together, wears nice clothes. So she started telling me the story about investing, why she was hiring me um, to be her portfolio manager. And in the back of my head, I was always a little concerned because she kept saying, you know, she's her story is what I wanted to hear for 15 to 20 minutes. How did you get a million plus dollars? Um, she w- She wasn't married. So one of the flags, like, I wonder if she's in a relationship with another woman because <clears throat> 20 years ago, I guess that was less easy for people to talk about. Um, and I was just pondering, I was just thinking, just trying to figure her out and her portfolio came to me right after a man's portfolio did. And I can tell you there was not a, a bigger difference in the world. She was incredible at picking stocks and rounding them out with diversification. He was a mess. Uh, a lot of stocks under $5. A lot of stocks based on crazy themes like number of bicycles sold in China. Someone on CNBC or a newsletter said something like, yeah, if every Chinese citizen buys a bicycle once every 10 years, the stock will quadruple. I'm like, when he came into my office, I'm like, uh, he was a little on the, I hate talking like this. He was a little on the greasy side. Like maybe he hasn't washed his hair in two or three days. Sits down. He's a little bit slovenly, not well put together. <clears throat> and I wonder if there's a, a relationship with how you take care of your body 
and your clothes versus how you invest. Um, I almost have a uniform. <laughs> it's crazy to say this. because I sound like a wackadoodle. <clears throat> I wear Nike shoes, white socks, ankle biters, um, diesel jeans, and typically a hoodie. In the summer, it's a hoodie with a light t-shirt. In the winter, it's a hoodie with a fleece underneath. Um, kind of like a pullover sweater. Okay, I have a uniform. Guess what I have as an approach to investing? A very uniform approach, right? The woman who's really well put together, she had a portfolio that was really well put together. The guy who was a little bit on the sloppy side, he had a portfolio that was incredibly sloppy. Does that sound a little bit like you in any way, shape, or form? Can you identify with this? Um, maybe you're in your 20s and you're learning about crypto and you're listening to this show, trying to get free advice, trying to get insights into how the markets work. To me, crypto, if you want that free advice, it seems to trade in conjunction with the NASDAQ. So instead of owning something that's alternative, I would say for most people, not all, most people, maybe own some NASDAQ stocks. It seems to be the growth vehicle for younger people. Whereas my generation, 35 to 55, are probably more growth stocks. And I get it. That's fine. People are a little bit older. They've seen some more corrections. They've seen some more recessions. They may be a little bit more timid, but I'm stopping there. Okay, so back to that lady. She was well put together. She was well groomed. And she started telling me her story. And she said, you know, back in the 1960s, I was dating and we were having fun. We were going to Europe. Air travel was cheap. And I'm like, oh my God, like my dad had died. And I, 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 my biggest fear when my dad died is I had to go through all of his paperwork. And when I was going through his paperwork, I was like, I'm going to find out I'm adopted. Me and my sister are the only two kids with blue eyes in my family. The only two, no one has any. We can't figure out what grandparent or great-grandparent did. So it's kind of funny. If I married my sister, I'm not going to say that. But if I did marry my sister, I said it. The two of us having blue eyes means we'd have a blue-eyed child. How did we come out? I know it's a recessive gene with a recessive gene equals automatic, right? That much of chemistry and biology, I remember just a skosh. Um. I was doing math with the seventh grade last night on proportional relationships. Let me just say this blew my mind. I did not remember that. And now I see why I learned it. He's like, why am I learning this? And I'm like, so you can tell your kids one day that you can do it. <laughs> like, Cause I can't do it. I never learned it. Um, no, I, I, I believe a lot of math is there to stimulate your brain that you're not going to use a lot of trigonometry. It's just not going to happen. But my kids are starting to ask those questions. So you can tell where they, they fall in their love of math versus my love of math. So anyway, the woman's telling the story about uh, having a boyfriend in the 60s. And I'm like, okay, you know, she's a well-put-together woman. She's not been married, and she's pulled it together a million dollars. What's her story? And she's, she's continuing. I'm like, oh, my God, she's going to tell me I'm her, her son. She started talking about, you know, sex with her boyfriend. Uh, premarital sex wasn't, like, really cool and accepted at that time. And. I'm like, she's going to say I'm her son because she had blue eyes. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm tripping here. 
just going to say, I put you up for adoption. Your parents took you. My father was uh, adopted. So I was like, I, I'm starting to see a theme here. And she goes, nope. <laughs> I was really sweating. She goes, my boyfriend invested in a company called Pfizer because they came out with something called birth control, the pill. The pill is one of the inventions that changed the world. I know you're saying, what are you talking about? And I'm not getting Catholic or anything like that on you. I'm not. But it allowed women to go to work. It allowed women not to have babies in their 20s. Um, now, I know, again, some Christians right now are probably going, yeah, but they're going to hell for premarital sex. I'm not going there. Not judging. Just telling you what society tells me. So he invested in Pfizer. And she goes, if you saw him today, he's worth tens of millions of dollars. I wasn't smart enough to. Is there anything in your life that's revolutionary that you wish you could invest in? Because in down markets, that's probably when you should consider it. From the 60s to the 90s, she had chances to buy Pfizer many, many, many times. Now, Pfizer's not making a lot of money on birth control, but it did in the past before it became off patent. Anyhow, I bring that up. What type of investor are you? What type of worker are you? Every week, I try to do something slightly different on this show for variety. So I'm trying to do a variety show. What type of worker are you? What type of investor are you? Get to know yourself. Okay, I'm going to stop right there before I get sexual. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. The fortune-making spirit of today's marketplace, The Rob Black Show. A personal financial plan with custom investment advice. That's why Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP services were built with you in mind. How can they help you? Find out at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. This is a concept that will make no sense to you. Why is Rob Black talking about this on air? I miss my father. I didn't get to know him well enough. He was a mysterious figure when I was growing up. He was an alcoholic. He was in the United States Army. He had a great career. He served in two tours of Vietnam. And that's most of what I can tell you. Up until a point in my first year of college where my elderly brother had moved, and he asked my dad for help because my dad had a truck. He asked my dad for help moving. And my dad said, okay, Rob, you can come along because you're strong muscle. So I was forced to sit with him in a drive for like four or five hours. And I learned the most I learned about my father in that drive. It was fantastic. It was one of the best days of my life. Now, again, you're saying, oh, he's got daddy issues. I probably do. And that's probably why you're getting great financial advice from me over the last 20 years. Uh, there was no pleas in my dad. I was one of the top 10 goalies in the United States. Um, I scholarship, like you can say a lot of positive things about that. It's so long ago, I'm kind of embarrassed by it, to be honest with you. Um, but that's one area where I was able to rule. But as an alcoholic father, you couldn't really rule. So anyway, I don't want to get too much into that right now. I've done it before and you've heard it. So, uh, so I got to learn a lot about my father. And on the drive, I was like, how did you meet mom? For some reason, for the first 20 years of my life, he never told me how he met, his, um, met my mom. <clears throat> so I, I just I started asking questions. I think questions are great. Um, I tell my children, there's no question you can ask me that I won't tell you. Oh, and let's just say sex ed starts in fifth grade. And in seventh grade, it gets a little more complicated. 
So I, I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot about my little honest approach. And uh, sometimes at the dinner table, people just look freaky. <laughs> everyone, everyone looks at me like, did he just say that? So um, I'm smiling. So you probably know what I'm implying. Talking to your kids about money can make a huge difference in their life. As a parent, one of the things I highly engage you to do is talk to your kids about money. I do not have a daughter, but if I had a daughter, I would talk to her about men in society and how to approach you know, dating and love in your 20s. I probably wouldn't do it when she's in fifth or seventh grade, but you get the idea. Um. I would try to have an open relationship so that they can come to me with any questions they have. My sister, listen to this. She's eight years younger than me, also known as the mistake of the family. Um, out of college, she bought a house. Um, she, she was the youngest in the family at the age to ever buy a house. I was like, whoa, good for her. That worked out really, really well for her because 20 years later, she still has a house. And that's how real estate works. But anyway, no one talked to her about money. I don't know where she got that. So Roth IRA, high-yield savings accounts, mutual funds are phrases that are regularly thrown around uh, my dinner table. I, I'm not telling you to be like me. I'm saying I think it'll pay some dividends. Having a parent who knows about finances, I think is critically important. Um, it's invaluable financial information. My parents did not teach that to me. What my dad did was I saw when he, when I was 19 years old, 18, 19 years old, he had a massive heart attack. And five years later, he's dead. I saw him basically work till the day he died at 18. I was like, he was at work. I had to go pick up his truck. People were like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, can I just show me where my dad's truck is? I'm like balling as a, as a man. I'm like, I don't know why. Um, but long story short, it was nice to get to know my dad that one time. It would have been nicer because I realized I didn't want to work till the day I died. I realized that work consumed him. I don't think work gave him cancer, but I think work gave him cancer. I know you're saying you're a contradiction, Rob. Um, I do think the military made him an alcoholic. And I do think that the military created a situation where he smoked to relieve stress. Whether he knew both of those or not, I think they were true. So what I'm saying in this segment is the military breeds alcoholics. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> the military breeds alcoholics and cancer. So I didn't realize my kids are soaking up this information on finances. And I try to keep it cute. Like, which would you rather have? Because that's a big game kids play. Which would you rather? And sometimes I'll say, which would you rather? Unload a truck full of dead babies or unload a truck full of bowling balls? And it's dead babies because you can use a pitchfork, right? It's a joke. It's a kid's joke. And then I'd say, which would you rather? Have a stock that goes up 100% over five years or have a stock that goes up 5% each year for the rest of your life? I'm like, oh, that's a good one. So it's no surprise that kids absorb habits. My dad had a truck. I have a truck. My dad didn't talk to us. We talked to our kids. Um, sometimes you fall far from the tree and sometimes you're the complete opposite of said fruit on tree. Kids learn about money from modeling their parents' behavior. 
Um, I don't use money as reward. I don't use it to dangle. I don't use the Xbox. I, I, we are very privileged to have what we have because I work hard. So I look at it as financial flashcards. I don't do it every night. I mix in humor. I mix in sports. Uh, Buster Posey retiring from the San Francisco Giants. Uh, this year, we're talking about the new you know, guy and how he now has an opportunity, Joey Bart, to prove himself and how the Buster Posey is still able to retire and have a good life because his knees are probably pretty damn tired for playing baseball his whole life. Getting down to that crouch, gets to hang out with his kids. He has probably more than enough money to last till the day he dies. I'm not a big dad on go do your chores for $5. Um, I don't make it about the chores. I make it about you have certain tasks to do. And if you do them, that's great. And if you don't, you're not going to get your money. I don't dangle a toy. I talk about saving. And every time they save, I save in their name. Um, One of the things I've done for them is I've saved all my credit card points. Um, converted them to cash and invested, converted them to cash invested, which is another financial lesson. Strongly consider converting your uh, credit card points sooner than later because the terms change. A couple of years ago, I had a Hilton diamond card, preferred kind of thing. And at 50,000 points and you get like 15 times, if you stay at a Hilton, you get seven points. If you travel on a plane, like it's really geared for people who travel. And stay at Hilton's. It's one of those cards that has those gimmicks where it's like $450, but it gives you one free hotel night. And when you start, for me, it was a good deal. But the points, I'd be like 50,000 points to get one free night. So my spouse said, you know, I want to take the kids down to a soccer tournament. And uh, I said, okay, stay at a Hilton, use the free night they gave us and go. <clears throat> it used to be 50,000. Now it's 65,000 points for a free night. So the currency changed. So anyway, what I want to finish with is about 83% of U.S. adults believe parents are the most responsible for educating their children on financial literacy. I think by the age of seven, you should start teaching them some financial thoughts. <clears throat> Only if you're good at it. <laughs> Credit cards are not income is a good one that I use with my children. You figure out you. I figured out me. I'm just telling you some ideas. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. An education-first approach to managing your money. This is The Rob Black Show. So, you know, I was just talking about, I wish I could talk more to my dad about some of the intimate parts of his life. Taking that concept and going a little further, what were some of the things that I pass on to my children at the dinner table or in the car? Just so you know, every Friday, I leave a little bit early from the show and I drive my kid to school because I don't get to do it four days a week. And for the first six grades of his school year, I never got to do it. So that's one thing that I started doing because... I'm not going to say screw you guys, but for me, it's important to be there as a dad more so than important to be successful in life. Um, one of the things we talk about at the dinner table, because I know some people are asking, <laughs> I know some of you are like, how hardcore do you get with these guys? Um, I say things like what I've started doing with my spouse, because she never got to hold the finances of her family. Her dad wasn't very good at it. Her mom wasn't very good at it. So um, early on in our relationship, she forgot to pay a bill and I got mad at her. 
I'm like, you can't hurt our credit because you forgot. You can't hurt our credit because you believe in a paper check. Don't be so stool bad. Um, but she likes stamps and like, we don't have stamps and she likes loud envelopes. And I, I'll be honest with you, getting a letter in the mail from her is awesome. When she writes, she does a damn good job. You know how men are different than women and women should lead in the areas they should lead. She's really good. But I got mad at her 20 years ago and I took over the bills and I've never let her have them back. So last night she goes, what can I do to help? I'm like, why don't you study the bills and see if I'm doing anything wrong? I've never missed a bill payment because my, I, I learned and I teach my kids automate your bills. I know there's some people in the audience listening right now who are like, nope, don't trust banks. Don't trust them to have my information safely. Don't trust uh, digital payments. Grow up. It's, it's a little bit of finesse, but on the time that you save of going to the post office to get stamps, the time you save on getting envelopes, just two inane tasks that I never like doing, uh, automate your bills. So my kids, when I'm dead, they're going to hear automate your bills a lot. Um, my spouse asks if she can help. And I'm like, okay, um, our electric vehicle, the charging port's a little wonky. Make an appointment, get it fixed. So I don't have to. And she's like, on it. So I've started giving her more financing. You're saying, you're a weird dude. And trust me, I am a weird dude. Um, but I have a trust relationship with my spouse on money where she messed up a bill once. And I, I, for 20 years, I'm like, I'll just do it. You go be you, I'll do this. And to be honest with you, there's been times in the last 20 years where I'm like overwhelmed with work. I do our insurance, I do our taxes, I do our finances. Um, I gladly sit down with her and, and go over it. Um, she had a, a separate financial planner than me. And then, you know, showing her what he does and how he does it. Um, I like explaining things. So I, I'm trying to get better about that, but I'm not great. So at the dinner table, and this is a, a funny reminder that sometimes I don't know a damn thing about anything, right? Um, I say, you got to save 3% to 15%. And I'll be honest with you, I work with a guy right now who's a young man. And every time I get a new producer, radio has high turnover. I'm, I, I take the guy under my wing, the woman under my wing. I'm like, let me teach you a little thing here or there so that if, if you move on, you'll at least take a nugget or two with you. One of the ones that I push is that 3%, save at least 3%. And I've started doing that with my kids now, not just people I work with, but I go, and this is funny. Here's the thing that I don't know nothing about. I grew up Catholic until about third grade. Uh, my brother was an altar boy. And I used to tell a joke that uh, I think I, I, I don't think the priest liked me. <laughs> That's why I was not the altar boy. Or maybe it was just because I was a bad kid, right? I know that's weird to think about my brother with an altar boy. That's just a weird like visual in this day and age. Because um, when you see you know, Easter mass, you're like, whoa. <clears throat> but one of the things I, yeah, I throw down is I tell my kids, you got to save at least 10% of your salary. When you earn money, you got to save money. Earn, save, earn, save. Earn, save, invest, earn, save, invest. Those are like three buzzwords that I throw out so that they don't think if I earn money, I get an Xbox. If I earn money, I get a toy. They know that when they earn, they have to save. They go hand in hand so that you don't have to work to the day you die like my dad did. And for some reason, the last like three or four years, I've started telling this, my stories to my kids of like, oh yeah, there was one night I decided to drive <laughs> to Florida and 18 hours later, I was on Miami beach. 
And they look at me like, you're the coolest guy ever. How did you do that? Um, I'm like, impulse, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. <laughs> Some other things that I throw down is there's a difference between a bank and a broker. There's get rich quick or get rich slow, which we'd rather do. Get rich quick and out of your four friends, three of them will fail. Get rich slow and three out of your four friends will succeed. Which odds do you want to tie, uh, tie yourself to? One of the reasons I'm not huge into crypto because I need to see its track record in good times and bad times. <clears throat> in case there's a nuclear strike, I want to see how crypto holds up. Um, I know you're saying well, there hasn't been that many nuclear. Yeah, there's been Nagasaki. There's been Hiroshima. There's been the Cuban Missile Crisis. There's been Russia and Ukraine. How close did that come to nuclear strikes? Right? We don't know. I want to see track records. So acorns is something that I show my kids. <clears throat> I have it on my phone and I'll pull it out on occasion. And it's something I started talking about two and a half years ago on the show. And acorns is one of the dumbest ways to invest, but it automatically invests money for you. Do you know, I talked about automating your bills. Now let's talk about automating your investments. When I was 18, I was smart enough to know a lot about computers because I grew up playing video games. A family is using my mountain home right now, and I've got it decked out with video games. I got it decked out with ski stuff. I got it decked out with <clears throat> escapism from the real world for children. She shamefully said, oh, yeah, my son would love to play your Xbox Series X, and he would love to play the PlayStation 5. Um, what are the passwords? And I, I gave her a sheet with him, and she's like, she was embarrassed her kid plays video games. Um, she goes, he's intrigued by it all. And she kind of like was letting me know that, you know, as a mom, she lets a kid play video games. I'm like, that's fine. Um, I turned out okay. I played video games. <laughs> so I try to teach my kids like how to automate everything because when you do that, you do very well. And when I was 18 years old, I was in a car crash. I was rear-ended. And I got $3,000, which is funny that I know that exactly. And the moment it happened, I was cool. I was fine. But three hours later, I couldn't move. My back tensed up. And I was like, maybe I shouldn't have said, I'm okay. I'm fine. I should have maybe taken an ambulance. I was like, uh-oh, uh-oh. So I admit, start crying because I literally can't move. And a good friend of mine, Tony, uh, him and my other roommate, Mark, decided to go out drinking. And I'm like, you want to go? I'm like, nope. It was like Monday night. It was Monday night football to be exact. And so I stayed in bed and cried. And then around 10, 30, 11, East Coast time, football's still out. I'm like, I got to go to the hospital. So it turns out it's just a strained neck. <laughs> I'm not that tough is what it comes down to, right? And I'm probably 20 years old, to be honest with you. Now that I start thinking about the details a little bit more, 2021. And with that money, uh, my, brother, my, brother Dave's, my brother David's a, a judge. And back then he was an attorney. And one of the things he told me was, you know, you talk to the insurance company, don't admit anything. Don't, you know, she ruined you. It's clearly her fault. There is an injury. There's a dollar amount assigned to it. I'm like a dollar amount signed to it. Yeah. Strained neck is worth $3,000 to the attorney firm representing her. You go over 3,000, they're going to take you to court. You go under 3,000, they're going to instantly settle. So their first offer was a thousand. Second offer was 2000. I waited till the what the attorneys feel comfortable with a shopping price of 3000 And yes, that's how the system works. And yes, that's why my brothers, I've got two brothers who are attorneys. 
And at Christmas, we'd get together and like all 14, 15, 16. And they knew that I was driving. They knew I was the reckless one of the family. And they would say things like, Rob, if you ever hit someone, put it in reverse and make sure they're dead. And I'm like, whoa, you're the coolest brother ever. See, my brothers were my father. I had four older brothers and my father was checked out. So a lot of the stuff I learned, I learned from my brothers. Learned how to date and be passionate from Dave. Uh, Learned how to study from my brother, Michael. You get the idea. My brother, Michael, is the smartest person I know by a lot. But he's also one of the most socially weird people. Like he is like a kind of guy that doesn't walk on sidewalks when it rains because he doesn't want to step on worms. I'm like, well, when you're stepping on the grass, there's a good chance you're hitting a worm that just didn't quite make it yet to the sidewalk. But he never saw that. Okay, so further on with this, and I don't know where this is going, as you can clearly tell, um, I automated my investments when I got a car crash settlement. Why? Because I knew I'd blow that $3,000. I knew that would disappear into pizza and beer. I knew that would disappear into my company that I just started to uh, create. And I didn't make all the perfect investments. It takes time when you start a company. You have to go through a year of losing money, a year of making money that's nominal, and then a year of really starting to make money. And if you get there, you, you've succeeded. So for me, automating things, there was a mutual fund company in San Francisco, and I was in Washington, D.C. at this point in time. There's a mutual fund company called Robertson Stevens. And they had Dan Niles. They had um, just a, a who's who of fund managers. So I put the money in their information technology fund, and I had a great run in the 1990s because their mutual funds were awesome. So I automated that. Now with Acorns, it's an app on your phone. And every time you make a purchase of like coffee or the groceries, last night I spent $301 on groceries. Turned into be like $301.04. So Acorns takes that 96 cents of mine and invests it in exchange traded funds, low cost funds. And a couple of years later, I've got over $40,000 just from roundups of my credit card purchases. Really, it's my spouses who's making the kids a lot of investment money down the road, but I digress. Talk, share, be open. I'm Rob Black. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. Compound interest. Robo-advisors. These are things that you need to know. If I were to give you a list right now, let's go through it. You need to know about an emergency fund. You need to know about compound interest. You need to know about robo-advisors. You need to know about credit cards. You need to know about building credit. Therefore, you need to know about credit versus debit. You need to know about IRAs versus 401ks. I was talking with someone, gosh, I want to say it was an electrician recently who wasn't using his company's 401k. I don't do my own electricity. I'm like, you got to, man. That's free money. If they're giving you a 3% match, you just got a 3% raise because you met me. And he's like, what? How does that work? And I was like, let me show you on a napkin. You need to know about social security. You need to know about estate planning. Let me tell you real quickly what I would teach you on estate planning on a napkin. You are dead. What's going to happen to everything you've created in your life? You're going to need a trust, probate, power of attorney, a will, an advanced healthcare directive. This is what you need for estate planning. This is for what happens when you die and you will die. I've yet to meet a vampire who lives forever. Highlander, there could only be one. So maybe there's only one eternal. I don't know. 
So what happens to your stuff after you die is what I would write on the napkin. Then I would write, it's going to be divvied up, hopefully, one of two ways. If you die without a will, you're going to be a pauper. You're going to be odd, like Prince. I know you're saying, is this a Prince or pauper joke? Yes, it is. Prince died without a will. It just go look at Michael Jackson and Prince both dying without a will. And you'll be like, wow, that's really messed up. He's released an album that he didn't want to release in life because his heirs are like, yep, we want to make a little bit more of that money rake. Don't be that guy. Prince did not have a trust. He did. He had to go through probate. He did not have a power of attorney. He had no will. He had no advanced healthcare directive. So, and again, I don't really know how he died. I think he was on a plane and he might've done too many drugs and that combination of too many drugs because he had hip problems, painkillers, just put him into an eternal sleep. Why is a trust probate power attorney well and advanced healthcare directive important? And I'll be honest with you, it sucks to talk about death. It sucks to go into an attorney's office and say, I need a trust. I need a power of attorney. Because then they get that, that, I'll be honest with you, I get a rash when I talk to attorneys. It's just an instant reaction. I'm so, so sorry to all the attorneys out there. It's just like police officers. I start shaking violently like an epileptic. Um, when I get pulled over or I see a cop at the door, like, what are you here for? What I do? <laughs> and it's nothing. And he's just like, I just want to let you know that there's down power lines. Be careful. I'm like, thank you. And I'm like, why did I get so nervous? But I do get nervous. So why is it important to talk to an attorney to get an estate plan? Because it's going to provide for my family. Those five things, trust, probate, power attorney, will, advance healthcare directive. When I'm in a coma, my kids won't have to know what dad wanted them to do. It'll, it's already written out in my advanced healthcare directive. Um, I don't want to be on life support for a long period of time because I want my kids to go home and, and miss their father and not you know, hope that he's going to come out. Like I, I don't want them struggling. I want them on their lives, not on mine. So I'm providing for my family. I'm planning for disabilities. I think we all know a person or two whose parents or family member had a stroke and they weren't the same person. Maybe they were in a wheelchair. Maybe they couldn't drive. Maybe they became angry at the television. But a disability is very large likely in your life. In my 20s, if you were to say, Rob, um, life insurance or disability insurance, I'd be disability insurance. If I could pick only one, it's disability insurance. There's a much larger chance that you're going to be disabled from age 20 to 100 and not be able to work and not be able to live your life than there is that you're going to die. And if you do everything on these napkins that I tell you to, you're going to have enough money that when you do die, your family won't need life insurance. I started scaling down my life insurance in large part because I always had term. And as I'm getting older, the terms that I bought are starting to expire and I don't need it anymore. There's enough money if I die that my kids don't need a million dollars. So why is it important to have an estate plan? Trust, probate, power of attorney, will, advanced health care, provides for your family, plans for disability. It lowers your expenses after death. It lowers the expenses for them on how they inherit the money. Um, how the government taxes your estate. I've started giving away my money because I won't be able to give it away. I won't be able to, to spend it fast enough to not get massively taxed. And I would rather give it to charities and to friends and family members. George Clooney taught me an investment lesson. 
He gave $17 million to 17, $1 million to 17 friends. I think that's the story. And he says, I want them to enjoy it while they're alive. I'm like, good. I get it. I want them to enjoy it while, while I'm young enough that they can enjoy it with me. And another reason having a state plan is it keeps your businesses running smoothly. Uh, another topic on a napkin, because I told you I'd go through the 20 that you need, a budget, liquidity would be one, tax returns, 1099 versus W-2, two different ways of getting a career going. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. I will have more information on Elon Musk and Twitter tomorrow. The news broke late last night, and I have not had a lot of time to scratch at it. My day typically starts at 4.35 in the morning, and I, I just haven't thought a lot into it. I will say one thing that caught me off guard with it. Elon Musk has offered to buy Twitter outright in a $43 billion deal. He's offering $54.20 a share for all of Twitter. Now, I didn't catch it the first time I saw that number, but I caught it now. 420 is a code for marijuana. He's gotten in trouble before with this. 5420. What is wrong with this guy? Why does he always have to mix in goofiness? I don't like it. Uh, that's the one area of him I wish he was more CEO-like. You know, he joined the board. He, he oh, picked up 10% of the company over the last couple of weeks, and he didn't tell the public about it. And that's criminal. Um, because he was accumulating shares and becoming a large shareholder. And then he tells the world after he'd already passed that 5% mark. And after he passed that, he got another 5% of the company. Had he told the world, this is what he's doing, the stock would have been higher valued. He's going to get in trouble for that. I think he's moving a little too fast. Then once he, you know, got 10% plus ownership of the company, he said, uh, you know, I'll take a board position for sure. And Twitter was happy. Let's give him a board position. And I don't think Twitter thought that one through because instantly Elon Musk starts tweeting things like, Hey, should we do more polls? Hey, should we do a $3 subscription service? He was starting to advise the world on what he saw the company needed without going to the board and saying, let's fight for a subscription model. Now, board members are fiduciaries. They are supposed to act in the best interest of shareholders, you and me who don't have that ability or that kind of wealth to get in there and, and affect change. I've got a big problem with how he's handling this, but the 5420, I'm like, Oh no, he's doing a 420 joke again. Um, on occasion, he uses Twitter flagrantly wrong. He makes fun of people. And that's, that's just my opinion. You may like it. You may think that he's a God, I'll tell you this. I bet you people under 35, males, they probably think he is more important and Joe Rogan is more important in all things financial and all things world and all things of creating wealth. You know, what's funny is he gets credit for starting Tesla. He didn't start Tesla. He came in as a funder of Tesla. Other engineers started Tesla. Just throwing that down there for you. Um, they had already had a vehicle and they needed money to, to go into a second vehicle. Now, you can say he's, he's stewarded the company beautifully and he has. You could say a lot like um, Ted Turner, who every time CNN would lose more money, he put more money into it 
to the point that you know Warner Media ultimately becomes worth you know twenty plus billion dollars. Good for him. Elon Musk is offered to buy Twitter outright. Twitter is extraordinary potential. He wants to unlock it. So instantly, the board regretted him going out there and starting to like tweet to the general masses. This is how he wants to run the company as a director. And I think they probably said, no, this isn't going to happen. And, you know, you're going to get fines by the SEC if you try to manage through tweets. If you try to be a director through tweets. So stock's up 12% today. Musk is presently the current large shareholder, which means he has enormous sway now. Because all you really need to do to win a proxy fight is get about 40% of the votes. And he's got 10% of the votes. He's got a 9.2% stake in the company. It's the Tesla and C- SpaceX CEO is the world's richest person. He's worth over $259 billion. Billion. In an SEC filing, Musk hinted that he might sell his Twitter stock if his takeover offer was snubbed. He says, my offer is my best and final offer. And if not accepted, I would need to reconsider my position as a shareholder. Scott Galloway has said something genius about Musk recently. He said, Musk tends to get into areas and cause excitement and volatility, but not a lot of long-term value. He was fascinated with Dogecoin for a while, and then he wasn't. Um, He does this on a regular basis. He's been in love to the tune of way too many times, and he's got six plus children out there. Um, He believes that we need children to save the world. I know you're like, don't we need to go to Mars to save the world? Well, there's that too. Musk said, I invest in Twitter as I believe in its potential to be a platform for free speech around the globe. And I believe free speech is a societal imperative for a functional democracy. The problem is, is Twitter has kind of a mixed world of news. It's not free speech. It's centralized through commercialization of advertisements. And there's an incentive for an algorithm to be written to push advertisers into your feed based on things that you might tweet or things that you might see. I think we all probably got on Twitter in the last few years and like, let's see what Donald Trump says tonight. Let's see what Eric Trump says tonight. Let's see what, and it was a show. It was entertainment. But when you throw the commercials into it, is it news or not? Now, the BBC did something fascinating 15 years ago. They couldn't afford having a lot of journalists. News is very, very expensive. And Twitter has broken a lot of stories. I'm going to come right back to the news. It's very expensive. When Osama bin Laden was captured and killed, that hit Twitter long before it hit CNN. Videos of it hit Twitter long before it was released to the public. So it has this amazing ability to spread news fast. Is it news though? So let's go back to the BBC. So the BBC looked at their journalists a few years ago and they go, we, you know, we make money selling commercials, but you know, we, we keep the editorial news department completely away from sales. And we make TV shows that are so good that we see news directors go, you get that salesman out of my office right now. You wanker. I'm like, okay, yeah. You're, so you're incredible. I get it. We have a news director with, with morals. News cannot be bought and sold. That's the area where it's kind of sketchy. So BBC started having what they called citizen journalists. 
And the idea was, well, they started killing camera crews and you could see why camera crews in the Bay area. If we send, if there's a big accident on like the Eisenhower freeway, uh, ABC, ABC, CBS, Fox, Cron, we'll all send reporters out with a cameraman. And then some thugs started figuring out like, oh, look, that camera's worth $25,000. And we see five reporters there. Let's go put a gun to their backs and say, give me your camera. Journalism is really, really expensive to create news. I have this show circumventing CNBC, circumventing Bloomberg, uh, because I don't have to have the advertising dollars that they do. So the whole citizen journalist, journal, journal, citizen journal, journalists, 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 it's good and it's bad. Like we both know some people who are not great citizen journalists. And I think we both get, oh, all of us listening right now, we could probably say that like the covering of Black Lives Matter, depending on what part of the country you're in and what county of said state, it could be totally different if you're trying to report it as news. By the way, people were, were raised and grown. Um, a citizen doesn't know a lot about finance. I do. Should I be the finance journalist? I am here. So Musk is in an interesting situation that he's putting Twitter in. Musk said, if the deal doesn't work, given that I don't have confidence in management, nor do I believe that I can drive the necessary change in the public market, I would need to reconsider my position as a shareholder. This is not a threat. It's simply not a good investment without the changes that need to be made. So he's put the board in a very compromising situation. What's best in the long term? With the Bay Area high and mighty tech elite, we want to control media and go after an advertising model versus a subscription model. CNN Plus just came, uh, not, just came to the market. And what they're trying to say is give us $3 or $5 a month and we'll give you the news. And we'll give you a lot of access to talk shows that you want. Subscription model. CNN thinks that's the better way to go than to say we need to be editorial. And I think we could all agree Fox is leaning towards Republicans and MSNBC is leaning towards Democrats. Why? Because that's where you can get the advertisers and say, we're delivering a specific audience to you. Do you know who first did this? It was Rupert Murdoch. And he did it with Fox News. But before he did it with Fox News, he did it with Fox. Um, TV had become kind of, they called it plots and dots, spots and dots. And we knew the Super Bowl had 100 million viewers, but we didn't know how many were men, how many were women, how many people uh, like playing video games, how many people uh, needed a, a cheap $20,000 car versus a $60,000 luxury mobile. Advertisers had to blanket the numbers to get the results that they wanted. And then Fox and Murdoch's g- genius said, let's come up with Beverly Hills 90210. And that's going to be for girls 18 25 so we can sell pimple cream we could sell tampons we could sell sport tampons or what a dad i don't even know what i'm talking about and then that works so well there's this new married with children we know that's gonna be men 18 to 35 who like to look at hot women on tv let's do the x-files we know that's gonna be nerds who like computer stuff who like science fiction fox changed the tv broad uh, landscape enormously Can Twitter and Musk do it? It's a great, great, great entertainment 
for us to see unfold in the future. I'm Rob Black. Thanks for listening to my show. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Thanks. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.